0: health, uh, transport, smart cities, you know, everywhere uh, AI is being used. Um, So uh, agriculture and food is no exception.
1: A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Althena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada, Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter Ontario, and Demeter Quebec. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. High D from DSM Firminish can improve your pig's vitamin D status. High D offers pure, proven performance to help your pigs thrive. Welcome to the Swine it Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry.
2: welcome everybody to today's episode of the swine at canada podcast i'm dan columbus and i will be your host for today's episode and with me today i have dr rosita dara who is an associate professor at the school of computer science at the university of guelph so thank you for joining us today dara Uh, rosita sorry (laughs) that's okay thank you for having me yeah i was just talking about how they'll they'll Fix things up, so maybe they'll fix that for me. <laughs> uh, so, just because uh, some of our listeners might not be aware of who you are and what you do, you know, I think it' good opportunity for you to kind of introduce yourself and let us know about your, you know, your journey so far and what you've been doing.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. My name is Rosita Dara. I'm a faculty at the School of Computer Science, University of Guelph. Uh, So I'm a computer scientist. Uh, My background, uh, uh, kind of academic background, is artificial intelligence uh, from University of Waterloo. Uh, But my journey uh, has been, you know, I have been in a few different organizations. I worked at BlackBerry. At that time, it was Research in Motion for a few years. Um, First in a software quality department, then mobile health department uh, working on kind of, uh, it there was a de- department purely research. We worked on uh, data platforms uh, for mobile health. Then from there, I went to Information Privacy Commissioner's Office. I uh, worked for government for a little while, uh, Ontario, uh, Commissioner uh, Office in Ontario. Um, and then from there, I was always looking for academia. I came to Guelph. And my intention originally wasn't to work on agriculture and food, but because being at the University of Guelph, you know, I couldn't resist, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of to explore that uh, sector. And then, um, yeah, I realized the opportunities are enormous. So I became interested gradually in, in, the, in the sector and then how artificial intelligence, data platform, digital infrastructure can be used in this field, in the sector.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, you know, you didn't have the intention of going to agriculture. But I think uh, most of our listeners are going to be very well aware of like, AI. And, you know, we've been talking about big data to begin with for a long time with agriculture and how how this is going to transform and how we bring that in. So I guess that's a good segue into into today's topic, you know, specifically talking about um, AI and the applications of it in agri-food. So maybe just, you know, uh, introduce that topic, what, what that means to you, and then we'll get into some of the other aspects of it. Sure,
0: absolutely. So um, we have established, we have launched an initiative called AI for, for food or artificial intelligence for food. This is an international initiative with several um, kind of uh, international partners, institutions, research institutions, and also um, uh, standardization bodies and other organizations. So, um, so. Uh, as you indicated, so almost similar to all the sectors, the use of AI in all aspects of food and agriculture is increasing, and it's similar to other sectors. Uh, it's uh, you know health, uh, transport, smart cities. You know everywhere uh, AI is being used. Um, so uh, agriculture and food is no exception. Uh, so we we started this initiative with the goal of you know. So I know there was uh, there used to be big data was quite hot in agriculture, then blockchain, you know, uh, then now it's AI, but uh, to look at it uh, kind of objectively, they are almost the same technologies. We talk about digitalization or digitalization in agriculture, how to Um, uh, uh, do do, uh, do the transformation from kind of manual data collection or paper data collection into digital. And if you have the data in digital format, how to use it effectively for decision-making or improving processes. So, uh, So basically when we talk about AI, it's just again talking about digital infrastructure as a core foundation of AI is data. So data quality, big data, small data, Um, issues around cybersecurity, privacy. Uh, So all of them still are quite um, relevant in the context of AI for food. And also the use of AI in a kind of efficient way and effective way, as well as ethical way. Uh, So all of those issues again, exist around ethical uh, innovation and ethical technologies and who would be impacted and how, and you know, so all of those. So so that's, um, so we started exploring um, basically what can we do with data technology data driven technologies how we can use it effectively how we can address challenges and um, and also slow adoption of these technologies in agriculture in particular and uh, to some extent in food but uh, i think agriculture compared to other sectors the adoption of these technologies have, have been quite slow so uh, so we we wanted to look at opportunities which we have been talking about opportunities for many, many years, Mm -hmm. but then now how can we operationalize it? You know, uh, that's an absolute, um, that part has been quite slow. (laughs) So um, this initiative basically tries to tackle everything. uh, I mean, if possible, or some of the uh, issues that is slowing down adoption uh, in the sector. Um, Yeah, so that's how we got into it. And um, so we are just, uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, various issues that is impacting uh, adoption and uh, existing solutions and hurdles, and then with whom we can build partnership to kind of uh, tackle those uh, kind of um, hurdles or issues that are currently existing.
2: Yeah, so I, I think when you know when a, a lot of times when I talk to, especially like the large integrators and stuff like that, they'll they'll say, you know, we have all this data we have no idea what to do with it or how to use it or or whatever. So, you know, when you're talking about challenges, I think that's one one of them, right? So I guess maybe, you know, what do you see as maybe, like what are some some of the things that are impeding the uptake of this and where are maybe some key areas that we could implement if if we know how?
0: Sure, absolutely. So yeah, as you indicate, and I think your audience, our experts most likely know, AI could be used in for many different purposes, you know, improving production, uh, for food safety, food transparency, precision agriculture. Uh, so the many different aspects. So um, that means that in all of these different sectors and fields, data is being collected. <clears throat> and it has been, it used to be collected as well in many of these sectors, it was being used somehow for decision-making. Um, but it's just that maybe the volume is larger or we are hoping it will become larger or uh, with the sensor technologies, IoT, we we may be able to collect more uh, consistent and also larger amount of data. So all these changes are happening in different sectors in the agriculture. Um, I think it was in 2014, they estimated uh, only 1% by IBM or one of the, I can't remember the company, um, that uh, did the um, kind of, um, uh, they did the investigation, 1% of the data was being used at that time. Uh, Their prediction was by 2020, only 13% of data will be used. (laughs) Um, in all sectors, and I, th- I, I'm not sure if I should say this, but I think in agriculture could be even lower. You know, in, in terms of the data that is being generated, and how it's being used for decision making or improving operations. Part of it, <clears throat> obviously, there are many factors contributing to this. Um, um, uh, one of them is um, so so a number of factors. One of them is uh, quality of data. It's absolutely so the data that is being generated. Whether it has the quality, whether it can answer the questions we have, whether we have collected the data objectively for the questions or the goals we had, we have, uh, you know. So it's just if we look at the data lifecycle to become uh, to talk about a little bit more technically. Uh, uh, technically, I mean, it's just um, you know when when you want to use AI for for an application, you generally think about what. Uh, uh, questions you want to answer: What's the goal of uh, collect- for collecting that data? Whether the data has the quality. Whether it's inter- you can integrate it with other sources to you know kind of build a much uh, more com- comprehensive view of the situation. So, um, so there are many factors that contribute to collection of high quality data. And even if in agriculture we are collecting data, that doesn't mean we are collecting high quality data, or we are not collecting for the purpose that we have under investigation or, or we want to use for. Um, so, um, and also really maybe we don't have an understanding how the data could be used because, you know, it's quite, uh, in some sectors it's quite a new technology and, you know, to what kind of questions could be at, uh, answered with data. That's also, it's unknown to us. So it's a uh, multiple factors that are contributing to this. And uh, for this initiative, we thought if we bring, um, kind of a diverse group of experts on board uh, from, from, you know, different uh, uh, part of the sector and then have a discussion with them around data. For example, you mentioned data as a hurdle uh, to understand what their issues are, are issues are, of what their needs are. Maybe that can at least allow us to have the conversation uh, around data collection and usage. Um, another issue that is um, a hurdle and we want, so basically, uh, just just to go back, so uh, in terms of collecting high quality data and the data that is useful for the sector, what we want to do with, to bring the different, uh, to bring stakeholders stakeholders on board hear what they have to see about their needs and challenges, and try to uh, see if, if we can contribute uh, in any way uh, in collaboration with other organizations to uh, to address those issues. Another very important issue about data is the governance. Uh, which is to me, because uh, to me, technology is always an easy part that we can address. You know, we get the requirements, we build the technology to address it. But um, with the governance is uh, the issue around privacy and security and confidentiality. The issue around uh, cybersecurity, you know, I I was reading somewhere that even some farmers are concerned about cybersecurity and they, they, they don't feel the need of bringing a technology that could be attacked, you know? So that's another concern. Uh, the issue of ownership and data sharing is also slowing down. The, the issue uh, whether this data, their data is being used or who is having access to their data or it, it's being used in a. <clears throat> sorry, I'm recovering from a few um, cold uh, right now, so let me. So few yeah, few issues that I had in the past few weeks. So um, so that's another um, uh, cyber security data ownership. So it's an ethical use uh, development and use of data. So um, so all of these, again, even if you have the highest quality data, if you have a very clear uh, you know perspective on how or idea on how you want to use data, um, even those are slowing down adoption. So uh, it seems to be just the data itself, not the AI technology, just addressing challenges around data. It requires a lot of uh, collaboration, uh, new business models, <laughs> new ways of uh, sharing data to build trust, you know, because trust it seems to be, especially in agriculture, a major challenge. Yeah. Um, so there are many factors that we need to consider and work on. Just the putting aside data quality and how we are collecting it and for what purpose we are using it to be able to get access to the right information and integrate it and be able to use it. So uh, I know it's a very ambitious goal, but I feel if we start with kind of pilot small projects and understand what the right processes are, uh, are, what the right standard way of working together or data collection and usage is, Um, The issues around legal aspect, how do we address it with our stakeholders and actors and collaborators? I think putting all of those together, slowly trying to address maybe in one sector for one application and expand it to other sectors and applications, that would be, to me, you cannot boil the ocean. That would be a best approach. And uh, that's what we are hoping to achieve with our collaborators on this uh, initiative.
2: Yeah. So it's, you know you you bring up the th- the threats and some of these other issues that are coming up i think that's
0: very clear to a lot of people you know
2: with the conversations around like chat gpt and stuff like that that have come out uh, you know where it's like, "Oh whoa, let's slow down here. What's going on right So I think it's the the same type of thing that comes up so I, I I guess that you know what would be some of those potential solutions or initiatives that you would be looking at to address those concerns when it comes to privacy and ethics and and, and issues around around those
0: um, uh, well, uh, privacy and ethical aspect. You, you mentioned ChatGPT. That's a complex <laughs> technology on its own. I mean, everybody's scratching their head around how they can, um, how they should tackle ChatGPT. And uh, and I think maybe not so much now, but in the future, what could be changed with that technology? How even uh, the the challenge of uh, privacy with large language models is com- is unknown. I mean, we talk about regular privacy issues, but still what uh, large language models can bring, how it can threat privacy, we don't know because they can infer very rich information based on historical data that we never thought. We say, I anonymize data. I never fit in personal data, you know, but you, it it can because it has seen something that it can infer personal information from the data that it has seen. But but anyway, um, but privacy and ethical, the way we can address it, I think, uh, first of all, regulation, uh, has an important role to uh, hold organization accountable for how they are using this technology. Um, accountability is very important, and based on our research, we have realized that accountability in agriculture, uh, because it's not regulated as much, and they we rely on data agreements and you know terms of use agreements. Accountability is not something that anybody pays attention to or is important, or they. Even touch on in the agreements to say, okay, we are responsible if this happens, or you know. So, uh, but we have to find a way to make accountable the organizations that are misusing information, or um, you know, the, the data is being used in a in a way that. Um, uh, kind of privacy of an individual, even farmers, even, although farm data is not considered yet, personal data in Canada, even location data, but maybe in the future it will change. But a bit of accountability or a lot, a lot more, uh, depending how sensitive information is, is important. In the case of cybersecurity, if there's an attack, again, who would be accountable? Because that is threat to nation, to entire nation. If if that happens, you know, food supply chain could be interrupted. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, transparency, we feel uh, in the context of uh, agriculture is quite important. Transparency is low. I know many uh, regulations, privacy regulations are putting uh, emphasis on transparency for human data, for, you know, kind of uh, personal data. your data, my data, but could it be um, transferred to agriculture data? That's that's a different story. So I think that's also important, at least raising awareness to ask, ask about accountability and tra- transparency. Um, on privacy, I think many new technologies are um are being developed because of the regulations. Although agriculture is not regulated, I think it's quite safe to just use those technologies and make sure that the data is being used or collected in a kind of a ethical way or in a privacy preserving way. Um, But but also uh, I think again, uh, using concepts such as privacy by design, I think privacy and ethics we need to look at it, although it's, it could be a bit costly for the organization, we, we must look at it as a, <clears throat> as a requirement that needs to be embedded into the system. So it requires a lot of training, best, pra- best practices, standards that needs to be around. And again, with regulation or through legal agreements, we can ensure that these organizations are proactively considering Privacy and ethical ethics requirements. So privacy by design, ethics by design. These are although there are a bunch of principles, but it's very important if you you have to consider that it needs to be embedded into the requirements of the system. But the problem is that what we want to tackle, we talk about oh this is a requirement you have to embed it into your system. Then we look at the ecosystem. There is no standards. There is still confusion on definition of privacy, um, how it could be protected. Still, privacy is a little bit more established because, you know, many organizations and government has been looking at it for a while. Just ethics is a complete confusion. What is trustworthy AI? What is, in what cases do we need explainable AI? In um, safety, obviously on its own, whether AI is performing the task it should and then whether safety features are embedded into those tools, whether the AI system is human centric. Um, you know, in almost all the sectors, human-centric AI is ignored. In agriculture, is magnitude of you know almost 100% ignored, and maybe that's contrib- uh, contributing to lack of, to limited adoption or slow adoption. So, uh, so we our role as researchers is just just look at the best practice, look at uh, what the threats are, because usually privacy and ethics are approached from risk. Uh, perspective, you know. So, if you want to tackle it, you first identify the risk. The risk. Yes. I think the role of um, academia would be identify the risks of ethical issues, privacy issues, cybersecurity—just name it—and then look at the existing best practices, see whether they can be applied to agriculture and how they can be applied, and what are the actors and stakeholders. Again, it when we talk about governance, it's quite complex because you have to think about the people, you have to think about processes, you have to think about technologies. You know, so we have to bring all of those together and then start developing consistent concepts around you know, kind of these issues, define them well, and then look at the best practices that we need to develop or standards that exist that could be used in agriculture and gradually move towards saying, these are the recommendations, these are the best practices, these are the technologies. So uh, it requires a comprehensive effort and a lot of collaboration to make it happen. Again, it's not one of those you cannot, you don't develop an algorithm in your home, in your in your office. It's governance. So you have to bring people on board. You have to put processes in place. You have to identify the risk, and you have to look into the solutions.
2: Yeah. So is it just like you you mentioned you don't you don't do it in your home? So I was going to say you know like a lot of these companies are probably they're probably going to have some kind of privacy, you know. Uh, rules or something in place, right, to protect the data from their production and stuff like that. Is that not something that can be incorporated, or you you really think it's that that kind of maybe national standard that's that's going to be needed to to move forward?
0: Well, on I think companies they don't see the need. Depending on what sector of agriculture you're talking about, so if we talk to farmers, we have talked to many of them. They say cybersecurity isn't important for us. Our data is not that valuable. If that's the perception. Um, the companies are not going to pay attention either, right? Or um, usually when we talk to farmers, uh, they talk about privacy. It's absolutely important for them. Uh, ethical use of data is important for them. But when you talk to them and say, okay, they don't really mean privacy because privacy is about personal data. And then, mm-hmm. But maybe they are worried about you know, kind of economic aspect of it. It's their asset. Who gets access to it? Is government, does government has access to it? Or, I mean, do bad actors have access to it? So it it seems that their issue is something else, but they it's reflected as privacy or, you know, so I think it's important to understand what the concerns are. And I think quite a bit of research has been done in that area. So that, that part is not new, but we have to look at, okay, uh, have a solid collection of concerns and issues uh look at different ways how we can raise awareness about these issues among mm-hmm. all the stakeholders who are impacted and then still even uh you mentioned llm and privacy threats is quite new for the, almost the entire industry for the entire all the nations you know so so yes we find a solution for one you know privacy in one aspect and then we realize oh no it doesn't work with other technologies so the technology aspect has to constantly evolve as well, so we need to be innovative in that area, and um, as well. So, so I think it's a uh, continuous work, but the more foundational work needs to be done in agriculture sector, especially. And food is a little bit unknown because there are company, you know, we have to interview companies and, you know, but uh, how much they are mm-hmm. aware, how much they are protecting data, you know. How much they comply with the legal agreements, you know, we will have to see. So that would be part of our research.
2: <laughs> yeah, it surprised me a little bit that you know, where if the, you get comments like, "Oh, our data doesn't matter," or whatever, and they don't work, re- uh, and getting them to recognize that might be a challenge because it's like, well, you might not think your data is important or whatever, but when wh- if you don't have access to it, then you'll realize how
0: important <laughs> it actually was, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, they are they are worried about ransomware uh, yeah. attack. Um uh, they think so but also I think the issue maybe the data for one farm is not valuable uh, even to the mm. attacker but getting to the system and getting through that system to other systems um and then you know kind of uh, putting the entire infrastructure under attack I I think that's because you usually for one this type of vulnerabilities you just find one way to get into the system and it could be right. one farm or it's you know so so the threat is much larger but even from um but from privacy perspective or they call it privacy it could be the business model and who gets access to it and they're not getting the benefit we need to work on new business models to just build the trust and say, okay, you're getting benefit from my data. I want to get, you know, this is my asset. I need to benefit from that information as well. So I think that requires new business model. And that's also one of the objectives. I mean, not not something that I can will be able to address, but my colleagues in economics and other fields would be able to tackle it.
2: Right. So you mentioned this initiative, um, uh, m- multiple times, I'm, I, so I'm assuming it's something a little bit more formal than this This is just your area. So, uh, you know, is if, if companies or, you know, individual firmers or whatever, they want to get involved, how would they go about doing that with you?
0: Yeah, the, 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 this initiative will be launched next year. Uh, okay. I mean, a few weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we are not that far away from, uh, from the holidays. And then after that, it will be launched. It is with uh, another international organization. We will announce it at that time. And uh, so we, uh, just for governance, because our focus will be technology as well. For example, York Guelph, and also some of our partners, they have um, kind of uh, research stations, commercial farms that, uh, I mean farms that can not be used for commercial purposes. I, I think they're changing those to test beds for uh, agriculture technologies. So we, are, we want to tackle technical aspect as well, robotics. Um, And even AI, you know, building more efficient algorithms, building algorithms that with uh, either the large language type models or more sophisticated AI architectures that can learn data and memorize data for a long time, you know, to make them more efficient. So those definitely are part of this initiative. Um, And then testing them, making sure they're safe, they're reliable, you know, so those ethical AI aspects as well. Um, But it was extremely important for us that this initiative is... Um, cross-jurisdictional, I mean, multi-jurisdictional, just because of the governance issues. Because as you can imagine, you have a company that collects data and you think my data resides in Canada, (laughs) you know, the backup may be somewhere else in the world. So what kind of regulations apply to that? And, you know, so it's important for us to look at these aspects that are kind of multi-jurisdictional and kind of, um, and and then be able to have that discussion uh, in terms of data sharing, data transfer, uh, technology, cybersecurity. Could we have a collective approach towards cybersecurity? I mean, yeah, could we use the same standards because that would help with protecting cybersecurity? What kind of regulations can help? You know, so those kind of conversations is absolutely critical. So, uh, yeah. So with this initiative, we will announce it, and the website would be ready. And we want to. It would be like a hub. So we welcome everybody who wants to work with us and bring problems and for us to bring experts to tackle that issue, the issues that they have. And I don't think at this stage uh, we can um, work in isolation, especially when it comes to governance and data quality. We need to work in collaboration, you know, to to make adoption uh, slightly easier and more attractive for different sectors and uh, tackle some of the issues that we just talked about
2: yeah exactly we all we all need to to do something in this right so hope, hopefully you know if anybody's interested they can look out for that launch and and get involved when it when it becomes available next year which yeah i didn't even when you said next year i'm like oh <laughs> but no i didn't even realize yeah that's three weeks from now that's so, so wrong. <laughs> uh, okay well so before we get to our final three questions i'll just say you know if you have a take-home message that you want the listeners to get from today's episode you know like a too long didn't read type message <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what would that be
0: yeah. So, um, so again, uh, from from the initiative perspective. So, um, so I'm not sure if that was the type of answer you were looking for. But um, so my information is there. If anybody is interested, we look forward to hearing from all sectors within the agriculture and food, and all companies uh, that are interested in data and have issues with governance. So we look forward to hearing from everybody. Um, but uh, so, but but the take home message from what I have learned so far. I think we need to start um, one of the main, maybe one of the solutions that can help expedite some of the issues that exist around adoption, lack of trust and governance when it comes to agriculture is uh, education uh, and and data literacy and technology literacy. uh, Because because I think that would help us better protect our uh, infrastructure, data, that will help us trust the technology even more because some of the comments we sometimes hear is just, it's not very realistic. I mean, the the technology is not that smart yet to be on its own, to be unethical or misuse data, you know? And uh, so I think uh, the education aspect is very important. Uh, It will help uh, to ask the right question, to take the right action. Um, The issue of accountability and transparency could be Asked to be addressed when when we uh, deal with technology, so uh, so we think one of the hurdles currently is around education and literacy, uh, in, especially in agriculture, um, and then maybe maybe even other uh, kind of um, uh, sectors in agri-food or maybe food more specifically, but agriculture. That's uh, that's uh, that's an issue. So this initiative and collaboration with university perhaps can address that gap around digital and technology literacy.
1: Okay, great. It's time for our famous three.
2: So before I let you go, we have three questions that we ask all our guests. Uh, So the first one, uh, maybe you can expand this. We generally ask for your favorite swine related resource, but we can expand that to agri-food or or AI if you want. So what would be like a, uh, an area specific or resource that kind of you always go to?
0: So um, <laughs> being a computer scientist, I think I, um, there, there are several initiatives around the world that I find they are, they have been a bit more proactive, maybe in Europe specifically, uh, or some international organizations. Uh, so, some of the research institutions in Europe, I usually go and check and say what what their new workshop or what their new conferences and efforts are. Uh, so, in Italy, Netherlands, and a few other ones, uh, I also look at, for example, CGIAR, which is a kind of a standardization or or kind of international initiative around the globe. They they focus at some point on data a lot and data quality, although it hasn't been very successful. But they were quite proactive in understanding limitations around data quality. Uh, So yeah, so I look at international initiatives around the world that are focusing on agriculture and food and technology. Some of them are focusing gradually more and more on technology. Uh, I also look at the EU Commission, for example, they have a code of conduct around ethical use of agriculture data. Again, uh, I think Europe has been quite proactive. Uh, and mm-hmm. through CGIAR's uh, support, some of the African company, uh countries have been proactive. So I usually look at those and say, uh, look and see where we are standing in Canada in terms of how, uh, what policies or procedures or initiatives we have around agriculture and technology. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that sounds great. Um, so the next one, uh, it, and you, this is open <laughs> to anything, you know, uh, a book recommendation or, or something, you know, that you would recommend outside of AI and agriculture and all that other stuff. So this, this could be anything that you just kind of oh, want okay. to throw out there. Somebody put this on your to-read list.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Have you been reading books? I mean, do, do we have time to read books? <laughs>
2: I read once in a while, yes, <laughs> not as much as I would like, but
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. So what book I have been reading, it was, I taught a course on computational intelligence. Uh, so that was what I was reading.
2: That's okay. Uh, so yeah, our our last question, maybe it'll be a little bit easier. Um, so when you look back at you know pr- pretty successful leaders that you've noticed in your career or mentors, or you know agri food leaders. You know what is a characteristic that you think sets the the good ones apart from the 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 not so successful maybe?
0: Yeah. Uh, so um, so what I I look at the the role of academia. So I have had many good mentors throughout my career. I told you it was quite diverse from of so Guelph to Waterloo then uh, to BlackBerry or Research Emotion as it was growing at that time it was growing almost by the minute. And then uh, from there to Information Privacy Commission's office. Uh, so I've had amazing mentors and I worked I, I learned from them uh, you know uh, d- throughout my career. Um, but what I, I think our role in academia, um, unfortunately, sometimes I feel it has changed quite a bit uh, from, you know, as our role as mentors, um, uh, for students, uh, because of the pressure around research and initiatives and funding that has changed. What I value people most still in academia, they have tried, although they're extreme busy schedule, they have tried to remain as, uh, consistently to try to remain as mentors for the students and train them uh, for a very competitive uh, kind of uh, life that they have and a the journey they will have especially being in technology uh, to uh, to to really work with them to understand that ethical aspects some of the human values that we have is absolutely critical especially with the new technology and ai and how it could be misused so for those colleagues who still have that ethical, uh, kind of uh, ob- feel that ethical obligation to train the students that way, I have huge respect. And there are many of them, I cannot name one person, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but I have huge respect for them because that's something we need, You know, uh, especially yeah. with development of technology and how the world is constantly changing. Um, <clears throat> we need um, <clears throat> to train skills in the future that are um, more ethical. And be able to look at the situation uh, from ethical pers- perspective and human values, and make decisions that are right for not just for themselves and the company, but for a larger group of uh, people and community, and you know those sorts of things. So, uh, so I think that's our primary wish. I hope, hopefully, we can uh, keep that as our primary role.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Definitely a, a different one than we normally get. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that's something to consider. So, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. So I'll thank you again for coming on and joining us. And I'll encourage everybody again to look out for the initiative and get involved if, uh, if they are interested in doing that. So uh, thank you for coming on. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by wise Netflix, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.